Look out, this is illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I watched a movie this week. We are covering the three-part feature film event, R.L. Stein's Fear Street. I did not know much about Fear Street, the horror series from R.L. Stein. Everybody knows the ubiquitous Goosebumps. Goose Goosebumps. Bumps. We're not doing Goosebumps. It's not a Goosebumps thing. This is a different series. Many books, actually. Um, <laughs> I, 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 but we will touch on Goosebumps for yeah, sure. But Right, of course. So I'm kind of stoked that we're doing R.L. Stein, but not through the Goosebumps lens. Fear Street's a totally other thing that I realized that I probably stayed away from because it looked probably a bit more mature or like a more scary, real than the Goosebumps, which is very you know, uh, The mummy and stuff, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. That's the one. I read that one. <laughs> um, Fear Street was a bit more slasher yeah. feeling and those yeah. those types of things. So that, you know, as a as a kid, as a six, eight year old, 10 year old that I probably stayed away from that because Goosebumps, there were endless a billion books. Uh, <laughs> and so, I, you know, I can't get through all those. I got to read those before I get to Fear Street. How many books are there? That that's, This is too much for me. That's probably what I was as a kid. So the thoughts I originally had looking at this as well, R.L. Stein, what a common name on the billion books. But I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> doodly squat about this guy. Could be a girl, you know. Mysterious. Is, <laughs> could be dead. I like, Yeah. Or I is it, no. <laughs> is it like the Nancy Drew stuff? We covered in episode 36, by the way. Go back and listen to that. Another children's thing but is it churned out by a team of 28 writers and it's actually right just... it doesn't the man doesn't exist rl stein's just a just a name is it a pin name is it does he have a totally different name have you met him at the grocery <laughs> store is he dead yeah is he still yeah, doing I, these that's my favorite first question i've had about a topic like when an author we've covered is you know it's like okay so what questions do we have it's like is he living <laughs> Is he still anyway. writing these once a month? Are there 17 coming out soon? You know, how? Right. There could These could be very well be, you know, still coming out. There could be goosebumps every month and I would have no idea. <laughs> it's not for so, you anymore. Yeah. I, I can't wait to actually uncover some of these questions. <laughs> Just a little tidbits about him to whet the appetite. He said one time he was walking to a conference center to speak and someone stopped him and said, did anyone ever tell you you look a lot like R.L. Stein? No offense. <laughs> it would be offensive no to look offense. like him. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's got. Taylor, is this going to be one of these things where you tell me the whole story and then you go, actually, everything no. I just said was a lie? That's a book. Not by not... R.L. Stein. <laughs> it's a fan. No, I'm saying. I'm just. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe in a way. We'll see. Ugh. He always wears a black pants, black shirt, big glasses. So you might have passed him in the grocery store. He's very unassuming. I do. We already know about it, but let me just numberize it for you. Goosebumps, the second highest selling series, 350 million copies. Oh my God. And until Harry Potter, he was the best selling series author ever. Oh my God. So he held it through the 90s until Harry Potter came out. 235 Goosebumps books. That Scholastic Book Fair, baby. He's all over it. <laughs> over 500 books total. The Fear Street oh. series is the 20th highest with 80 million. Oh, my God. And there was a magazine he joked about once called him the training bra for Stephen King. You know, that's actually not, I didn't think of it in those terms, but I, that's probably <laughs> what I thought of it as like a middle schooler. Once I started like, yeah. you know, like just reading more and you know, maturing a little bit, that's actually how I started to contextualize it as a kid. 
Yeah, but it, he jokes because he's actually sold more than Stephen King. Bam. So, <laughs> Take uh, that. And just so you to to clear the air before we get into it, he is still writing them. He's got three more Goosebumps books coming out in 2021. Kidding me. There's a conspiracy here. <laughs> and I will seek it out. And we will find it in this episode. The conspiracy, the big moment I saw that hooked me in because I wasn't super excited. I'm like, oh, Goosebumps, he wrote a billion of them. What's the big deal? You know, who, whatever. The big moment I saw, the big quote from him that we will unpack, he said, I never wanted to be scary. I always just wanted to be funny. How confusing. What a twist at the beginning of this story. So we'll see some of that here and what that means for the man R.L. Stein. He's like, Mr. T wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see what's going on with him in comedy. But first, let's talk about Fear Street, which is what this new trilogy of movies releasing once a week. Feature films. Is. I'm so yeah. glad. On it has no, I'm just glad they did feature films and not like, you know, seasons of, mm-hmm. of a show. I think the trilogy of movies is a great way to go. I, I, it, now it's an event thing. It, it, coming out one week after another. How much fun. Oh, my gosh. Christmas in July. Super fun. Halloween in July. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the trilogy event being that all of them are also different stories. It's not like The Lord of the Rings where you're following the fellowship right. <laughs> through bringing them. They're all completely different characters, different things. And that is what the original book series also did. So the, the original book series was written from 89 to 99. This is before Goosebumps. The big thing that's different you had mentioned is it's teenagers, not preteens. It yeah, is, it had more of a slasher vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a level know, up. Yeah. And it's some, at least as far as the original book, some ghosts, paranormal stuff, but mostly murder mysteries. There's also deaths. Nobody dies in the Goosebumps books, but there are deaths right. in you these. Know. Yeah. yeah. 51 in the original series, and then various miniseries and other offshoots, there was 101 more. Jeez. Oh um, and this actually, you mentioned a uh, f- theatrical kind of film thing, but in multiple parts. There was a TV attempt made. Mm. ABC bought a pilot, aired in July of 98, and it had oh, one of the worst no. ratings on record for that time slot oh, when it no. came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Luckily no. for you, I, I found... Yes. Yeah. I found it on YouTube, so I'll post the link in the show notes. Check out the show notes for all the stuff we talk about, all the extras. From what I could tell, the tone is all over the place. It's got some campy, you know, silliness. It also only follows one family. So it's like with a TV show, they weren't anticipating doing it as an anthology. It was going to be all one thing. Oh, which kind of okay. missed the. Yeah, what... it really starts to put walls around it, really limits it, maybe. You know, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Interesting. But if you, yeah, if you see nothing else, just start the video in our show notes because the opening credits is this weird CGI dancing skeleton really throws you out of it. It's even like goofier than Goosebumps. I'm like, I don't know what they were trying to do here. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's that's the, the vibe you get. 
the book series was revived in 2014, which maybe contributes oh. to the show. So there's nine more books written in the Fear Street thing. And here's, here's how this came to be from R.L. Okay. Stein. No publishers wanted it because dystopia, paranormal, all of that is in. Hmm. He's very big on Twitter, seems these young adult authors are. And because he kept on getting messages, bring this back, do this again. This was cool. This was nostalgic. Freebird. <laughs> he said, I, <laughs> I, I, I went to some publishers, but nobody wanted it. And so then everybody's like, nobody wanted it. An editor at St. Martin's Press saw this and said, well, we want it. So do it for us. Yeah. He's writing them again in 2014. They are more adult and violent to reflect how young adult literature or sensibilities has changed. And then I saw okay. in an interview, he said they're also longer. He's like, after Harry Potter came along, everybody wants longer books. Oh, interesting. That's super interesting from his perspective because, you know, goosebumps, they're meant to be, you're supposed to be able to go through them pretty quickly. I mean, it took me forever. I was an idiot, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you were <laughs> You eight. know, they're you supposed eight. to be, yeah. you know, yeah. you're, supposed to, you're supposed to go through them, you know? So it's really interesting. The guy that's, you know, okay, I got to write them to quick because they got to come out and there's a, a hundreds of them. And then Harry Potter comes along. She writes, you know, two hundred dozen books, and bam, yeah. she out she outdoes him. And he's like sitting there with hundreds of titles, going, "What in the world?" Like that's super interesting <laughs> to hear from his perspective. And then to see after Harry Potter, you have things moving into like the Hunger Games and uh, mm -hmm. Divergent, all those oh, types yeah. of things. So it's like, okay, now we're gonna battle royale our teenagers. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's got to uh, pump it, it up. It's interesting to see him adjust. To the the new flavors as we are now going into a, a third major decade with the dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good lord. Well, and, and definitely this revived interest to make the films because then in 2015 the rights were picked up again. Theatrically was the original plan, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then that didn't happen, and then Disney bought Fox, and then they said we don't want this, <laughs> so they sold it to Netflix. <laughs> Whoops! Gosh, man. Go. Yeah. And then Netflix said, once a week, and off we go. I was shocked because I just finished the first one, and I'm like, oh, sick. Okay, so I just finished 1994, uh, mm -hmm. 1978. Maybe it'll come out in August or something, knowing <laughs> Netflix. You know, it's like, and then we, I would get on to record, and I realized, oh, my God, it's coming out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we're right in the middle of this thing. Uh, and then the third part will come out next week. Uh, and it's interesting is we're, uh, we're starting in 1994 and working our way back. Yeah, uh, so we're uh, unraveling the mystery. I think that's a really interesting way to do this. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Fear Street books. Yeah. Um, while they're not connected directly, the same characters, they happen in different time periods, they're trying to follow a through line. Yeah. Where did the, where did the 1994 oh, and yeah. 1978 storylines come from? Why did the filmmakers land here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because so, I have some film inclination, but I'm holding that because I want to know how they actually developed it, if you have any of that. Well, I think the film inclination stuff, it was all not based on any particular book and more the tone. And I know that they were going for kind of how you know the different types of films, mm -hmm. the slasher film, the you know, what that's basing off of. But the storyline. Yeah. yeah. Those are all original to the films. It was more the tone. But what I did find was, so there was one 
miniseries called the Fear Street Saga, and it's a trilogy, and it goes back in time to the origins of the Fear family, back to the 17th century, how the curse started. And it's not like the first book is modern, the second book is middle, and then the third one is old. So, but it's interwoven within all three of the books in the trilogy back to the 1600s, how that goes. Gotcha. Okay. So that's okay. as close as I could find as to what they were pulling from for this trilogy, the origin of the gotcha. curse, which actually R.L. Stein said that was his favorite of the Fear Street books was when he did that piece where he could go back in time to, oh, yeah. to the origins okay of the well look at that so, okay yeah. <laughs> Very so cool. so then what i'm seeing then uh in my inclinations is 1994 uh scream is coming out mm-hmm. 1978 halloween's come out oh yeah so when i look at this film and we've got a white visage uh you know skull hood that's evoking Scream. It's shot like the opening <laughs> to Scream. They they evoke Scream for a good half hour uh-huh. before they kind of move into its own feel and flow. The director, she directed episodes of the Scream TV show, which means she's obviously studied Scream. <laughs> so that's that's at the, at the base of it for 1994. I say, oh, yeah. OK. But then I know the next one coming out. Summer Camp Slasher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Summer Camp. So yeah, 1978. Halloween is the direct inspiration for Friday the 13th. Uh, And again, the white visage. I just was curious about Mm -hmm. how much of these things, about the slasher, you know, look and the camp in 1994 and the skull Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. What about those iconography things were in the books versus what emerged into the film? You know what I mean? Yeah, he had probably five or ten that were set at various summer camps and whatnot. It's not like I mean he like sure. at that yeah. point he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing everything in the book you can for So teenage, then when you're a so. you're a creative in this world going, Okay, we're gonna do Fear Street and you get to look at all the material, all of the Fear Street stuff and look, I'll say so what are you inspired on and what is this the three part thing gonna be? You know, I'm speaking as a creative about how yeah. you would start to put these kinds of things together. Uh, it would be kind of like a kid in a candy store walking and be like, wow, OK, I love Jason and, and uh, Freddie and Michael Myers and Scream and all that kind of. OK, cool, cool, cool. But I'm doing R.L. Stein. What's his stuff? And what do, do I see any? Because he's drawing on this stuff. Oh, yeah. He's drawing on the 1980s slashers. So what do I see in his characters? That reverberates that. Well, and it even maybe even is a bit more like a tennis match back and forth because the people making Scream cannot ignore hundreds and hundreds of teen (laughs) slasher books that are selling (laughs) millions of copies a month. There you go. Yeah. You know, so it it also circles where (laughs) they, they looked at him and then. It continues onward because he's looking at it. That's and it's cool after. that he's in the game and throwing it back, you know. And that's what I was getting at earlier. Yeah. And so it, it's it's neat that he's our current and mm-hmm. that this was a restarted series in 2014 and brought back from the dead. Yeah, that it's not just something of like trying to you know tr- trying to evoke the original designer in the original Star Wars over and mm-hmm. over again in mm-hmm. these new movies, you know, trying to like just drudge that magic from somebody who's long gone. I'm glad it's not that kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So speaking of long gone, I want to remind mm-hmm. you what he said. No. I always just wanted to be funny. How the heck do we get <laughs> from that to this everlasting horror guy? What does he mean by that? I just always wanted mm-hmm. to be funny. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about his life. Yeah. Born in Columbus, Ohio in 1943, 
very poor family. He wore his cousin's clothes to school. He said he was a fearful, shy kid. Started writing in his room at the age of nine with an old typewriter that he found in the attic. And he was saying everybody at his school was making comic books and telling jokes and doing all that stuff. So he was just writing goofy stories, joke books for his friends at school, being the class clown. Yeah. He said, my parents didn't understand me at all. They said, stop typing and go outside and play. Said, mm. that's the worst thing <laughs> to tell a kid, but also the best thing for Put him. that pencil down and go rub yourself in the dirt. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he said- if they hadn't said that, maybe I would have put it away. <laughs> but because right. they said stop doing that, he kept doing it. There you go. They didn't encourage him at all, so he never learned how to type. He just was typing with his left index finger, just with one finger typing this stuff out. Oh, wow. And he couldn't draw. He wanted to draw the comic books like his friends at school, but everybody said he was terrible at drawing. So he just kept mm. typing. RL, no. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Can't do it. Studied English at Ohio State where he was the editor of a humor magazine, because every college at the time in the 60s had some sort of a humor magazine. He drove to Manhattan to become a writer, because that's what he said you did. Mm -hmm. His first job, this is the whirlwind of his horrible jobs, he wrote fake celebrity interviews for this woman that he met who was writing oh. these movie magazines. So he'd go up to this lady's apartment. She's in a bathrobe. He said, I never saw her in normal clothes. And she would say, write an interview with Diana Ross. What in the world? Or write an interview with the Beatles. Like, they were, there was never any interviews. <laughs> just make it up right. for just, our magazine. I need this. Yeah. He said she wanted sometimes three or four in a day. Just made up what interviews in the for world? these magazines. So this is where he learned to write really fast and make uh -huh, stuff up. Because okay. <laughs> he's just cranking out these lies. But that didn't last very long. And then he wrote for a soft drink trade magazine, like internally within the companies. And he said that was the worst okay. year of his life. He became a master of mm. syrups and flip top cans. And it's just part of his humor. Again, in this interview, he goes on this whole tangent about like he knows the plastics industry and as it relates to carbonation and the whole. Like, he just he just dove in he's deep. He's trapped in his own hell. Yeah. He said, that was horrible. <laughs> I don't want to write this crap. Um <laughs> He falls in love, marries this gal, Jane, and she is working at Scholastic doing this children's magazine called Dynamite. And she's just crushing it. She's the editor. They sold over a million copies a month. Oh, wow. He gets a job working there also as an editor slash writer, and he does a teen magazine, still humor. She's doing the kids when he's doing the teen one. It's called Bananas. Okay. Living his dream, wants to be the, you know, this is what he wanted to do at age nine, Yeah, was write a humor magazine. He also is writing kids' books, joke books. His first children's book is actually called How to Be Funny. This is just what he Whoa. is. His pen name, he changes it. He's Jovial Bob Stein. That's on all his books in this time period, is Jovial Bob Stein. And he is the editor and writer for 10 years of this Bananas magazine. The dates are what, between when? It's from the 70s into the 80s, yeah. Okay. He's just living it up in New York, being a comedy kid's writer, everything he's ever wanted. He did it. Of course, times change, the tides turn, the company restructures, reorganizes. He loses his job and gets fired. But he came to New York to do what he was going to do. So it's like, well, what do I do now? He mm -hmm. is a writer for life. So he's like, I'm just going to do anything. His weird period. He did the movie novelizations for Ghostbusters 2 and Spaceballs. 
No way. Uh, yeah, he's just getting <laughs> the most random jobs of. But again, still comedy kind of Incredible. stuff. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wrote books for G.I. Joe, for James Bond, ghostwriting. He's like, I've never touched a gun in my life. I don't know anything about these worlds. Oh my God. Gets to the point where he's even. He said he wrote Rocky and Bullwinkle coloring books. What? I was at a point in my career where you just say yes to everything. You're afraid to say no. Yeah, yeah. So here comes the big change in his life. The lunch he has with one of his friends who's an editor. Okay. This other editor, this woman, was in a fight with another young adult writer. And she said, I'm not working with him again. He's trash. But they were working on a <laughs> horror novel together. And he was. she said to him, you could write a horror novel. She says, go write it. The title is Blind Date. And this is 1986. And he's like, well, I'm not saying no to anything. I guess I'm going right. to write this horror. But they already have the title. He says, it's so embarrassing because it wasn't even my idea to be scary, to do scary stuff. Right. It was the next job. But he can't be Jovial Bob anymore. His name is Robert Lawrence. Okay. So he goes by RL because it makes him sound more mysterious. Okay. But the first thing he does is go into the bookstore and is like, what other teen horror slasher books are out there? What am I trying to emulate here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just so crazy to me because you think of him as the guy. But he's just thrust into this. And so he writes this book, Blind Date, number one bestseller. Amazing. Whoa. On the, on the publisher's list. He's like, that's crazy. She said, write another one. So he writes a second one the next year called Twisted, also a bestseller. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> I, I will write another one. He's, he's like, in the 20 years I've been writing, I've never been anywhere near that list. You know, forget the funny, wow. forget the funny stuff. Kids want to be scared. This is right, great. Right, right. But he's like, it would be great if we didn't do one a year, you know, like let's do a series or something. So the series starts in 89 and then he's just chugging along with the Fear Street ones. So 86 to 89, you know, is that what we're saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 89, he's pumping them out. I believe it wasn't, it wasn't one a month. Maybe it was every other month or thereabouts that he was doing these Fear Street ones. And Uh, it's just him. mm -hmm. Okay. And so- The Fear Street thing is under his wife Jane's recently creating publishing company. Mm -hmm. As a part of them working in Scholastic together, she was actually his boss for four years. Mm. So she becomes his editor when he's doing all the Fear Street stuff. And yeah, he doesn't use any ghost writers, but she's the one (laughs) editing. He's like, it's horrible for a marriage because- yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he said, she's a very tough editor. She's too good of an editor. She's like a hockey goalie. Aww. Nothing nothing gets past her. And also, no, she, it's awesome. like, when, yeah. you, when you know the person so intimately, he said one time he had a manuscript and just at the top were two words, psychotic ramblings. Like that was her whole <laughs> assessment of the manuscript. So she doesn't... She doesn't edit all his stuff all the time now, but for the longest time and through Goosebumps, she was the editor... And business partner oh my gosh. as well. <laughs> I love that that dynamic duo, baby. That's great. Yeah, That's yeah. So I want to highlight that man. That that the duo is what you know. They they had to have both to to get to the level, mm-hmm. you know, to get to that quality. You had, it takes both. Otherwise, we would have um, gotten psychotic ramblings and not right tight exactly. <laughs> hundred page. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So his wife and her business partner. They've got this company. They're doing Fear Street. They they have the idea. They're saying, we want to do a younger series. 
seven to 12 year olds. Mm. And he's very resistant. He's like, no way. It's not going to work. It's never been done before. It'll, it'll mess up the audience. You know, we've already got this fear street thing. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but he finally says, okay, but I got to figure out a title for him. So he calls it Goosebumps. And this is first released in 92 of July. Oh, wow. Okay. This month of 92. Wow. 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 Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. 20, uh, 29 years. Wow. Yeah. And so he said, what happened with this is a mystery because the first four books they wrote and it came out over eight months. So that was every other month. He was like, they just sat around, no advertising. He wasn't making any appearances nowadays because of the internet. They would have pulled them off the shelves. They would have been like, oh, this isn't selling. What are they doing here? But this was a different time. And he said it just, it was the secret kid network, like Harry Potter. Like it was just kids telling kids. We all remember what kindergarten, first grade, (laughs) second grade was and how we knew what was cool. It's not like our parents were telling me about Digimon. Yeah. (laughs) Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. We know how to, we know how to know. Mm -hmm. So the first four books didn't do very well, but then they had another thing for eight more books. And then that's when it took off and exploded. And he even was perplexed. He went to schools and said, why do you like this to kids? And he said, every time we like to be scared. And he said, well... I'm going to do it. I love that. Yeah. He sees the market. He can do it. He can feel that need. I love it. I just think there's also probably such a humility to him making his whole life about writing comedy for kids. And then halfway through or at the apex where he said, I did it, he just does it completely different and says, yeah, he, he yeah, he gets his goal. He get, attains it. And then it's. And then has to just, he has to pivot. (laughs) And that pivot then redefines his life and shoots him into the stratosphere. Oh my God. I mean, we're talking about this. He's not known as a comedy writer at all. That's why it's so shocking. No, not yet. Like we're saying, he's training wheels. uh, Stephen King uh, is squarely a horror uh, Mm -hmm. icon. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's fascinating. And then, uh, yeah, that, I just try to relate to people who went into doing what they do for one reason and end up doing another. It's like John Carpenter, the director of Halloween, thought he was going to make a name doing like Westerns. He wanted to bring mm-hmm. him back. Westerns were dying and he wanted, but Westerns were dying and they weren't coming back. So he had to pivot and he ended up in being a horror auteur. Yeah. Um, so I made the joke earlier about Mr. T, but it's right. It's, uh, it's right. He wanted to be a dancer. So, I mean, and there are endless stories like that of just mm-hmm. people who had to pivot. And then, man, the pivot worked out. <laughs> and, and he even says he was so lucky. Like, God, he he wasn't trying. Right. You know, <laughs> he went to the bookstore to see what other people were doing. He got the title. He wasn't he wasn't trying to do this there you go there's the humility man it just came together and it was the right time right right place he pivoted and was open and took it on you know just with zealous (laughs) you know he just okay it's the next job yeah yeah so he says you know he gets a billion letters and emails and everything but he's saying every kid that writes a letter through snail mail gets an answer from him he's like if you're gonna put pen to paper and write like you deserve an answer and so that's amazing. I found this thing of his favorite letters from kids. Again, his sense of humor. Yeah. I'll read three little lines. One of them, Dear R.L. Stein, I really love your books, but can you answer one question? Why don't the endings make any sense? And then he said, another one said, Dear R.L. Stein, I am your biggest fan. I think you are the scariest man on earth. I want to know everything about you. Do you have hair? <laughs> 
<laughs> and he does. He does have hair, but I just, kids. <laughs> and then he said, this one was his all-time favorite letter he ever got. Dear R.L. Stein, I've read 40 of your books, and I think that they're really boring. <laughs> he's like, he's like, isn't that a perfect well, letter? Had to, get like, through, that... had to get through thirty nine to be sure. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, <laughs> that it just reminds me so much of stuff on the internet nowadays, where it's like that movie. It's like, but you watch the whole yeah. thing, you know? Like you have such a criticism of a nine part series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! So he uh, has again with that adorable. with that humility. He's like, kids are kids, and it's funny, and it's you know, I'm writing it for them. Oh so. man. What's, That's the way to take it. What's interesting, what's different about these, and I didn't realize, originally it was aimed at girls because what? girls read more, and especially at that time, but he was realizing that half of the fan mail coming through was from boys as well as girls. Mm. So he makes sure each Goosebumps book at least has one boy and one girl in each story. Oh, I did that. not realize that. Yeah, That's me either. Cool. Okay. Yeah, so- in the golden age of this, it was one Goosebumps every month and one Fear Street every month. And oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> How long? Oh, and that went on for two decades nearly? You know? Well, he's still, yeah, he's still doing the Goosebumps, know? not every month. but And the Fear Street, he restarted okay. in, in 2014, and that's right, still going. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, God. But yeah, in 93, 94, and 95, 20 of the top 50 best-selling books were Goosebumps. Uh, yeah, he was a best-selling author for three for those three years, and then the show came about in '95, and that was right. the top-rated TV show for kids for those three years from '95 to '98. That was crazy. I did watch a lot. I did watch a lot of the original show as a kid. I yeah, did, I did remember that. <laughs> and that's a whole other can of worms when it comes to TV because they did do the right thing, and each episode is its own characters and its own yes. thing, and it's like yes. so much production cost. For the 90s. Much like scary stories to tell in the mm-hmm. dark in the same era. Yeah, I, I thought that those the format of those shows really worked. It was a, It's an odd style of format of show that I don't think really exists anymore is this kind of campfire, yeah. you know, tale. And I remember them sticking out to me because me and my brother were huge horror fans. I was all, I was, you know, six years old wearing a ghost face scream mask, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, like doesn't, shouldn't be, you know. So when those types of programs would come on, I knew that there, there was an audience that I fit into, at least to some degree, that people were interested in this and that I didn't have to wait till October to get a taste of it. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the formula for this kind of stuff People say to him, you know, must be so easy. Now you found the formula. And he's like, what formula? Because obviously it thinks, he's like, I wish I knew the formula. Obviously he has tropes that he lays on or has kind of a setup for thing. But he's like, it's gotten a lot harder because every, you know, I've done every story a person can write or I'll come up with one. And my editors will say, oh, you did that. That was 222. (laughs) He's like, I don't even, you know. Write an original Simpsons episode. Yeah. Go. Yeah. 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 It's like. Um, it's good because it's a challenge because I have to think of new scares, new, like every chapter ending is a cliffhanger. Like how many can you do? Not even the books themselves, but in each book, each chapter has to be novel in a way for his own sake. So he's like, I don't know. It's fun. I don't know what else I do all day. Right. Except keep doing, keep puzzling around this stuff. Yeah, it's like he, there's somebody saying it like that wants to attribute it to this plug and play magic where you could just put anything in, you know, yeah. like, oh, you got the basic. It's like it's a fill in the blank. It's like, it's, no, <laughs> he's not a, a vapid soulless 
husk. You're doing something even if you want to call it banal and simple, like, you know, just that falls what even the rudimentary kind of, uh, you know, format mm-hmm. of goosebumps. It's like every one of them has its own flavor and its own feel and its own setting. And it goes out of its way to evoke that famous art mm-hmm. on the cover that made you pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's and and it's not just lazily okay you're the, in Egypt and let's not no it's there he's throwing in real you know mm-hmm. adjectives to set this tone and mood because it is a horror piece consistently throughout so I'm like mm-hmm. it, that that is an active writer there's no plug and play there's no formula here it's uh, you you it's I I, I find that that idea is just is like man it, it, that's so far apart from the actual you know, nuts and bolts of putting something like this together <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think part of the the question I had here at the end is like, why does it pop? And you're speaking to that for sure. He specifically says he's not trying to incorporate moral lessons, which is also why people give it guff. Uh, hmm. It's strictly the thing that he says is reading motivation. And that is the big thing. Like with the deeper themes, he's like, I didn't even really think of that. The whole thing about the haunted mask where the mask is stuck to a kid's face. There is no moral lesson there. He's like, when my son was little, he was trying on a Frankenstein mask and he couldn't get it off and he was tugging. And I thought, what a great idea for a story. I should have helped him. (laughs) It's like, I wasn't, it's like, I I wasn't a good parent that day. (laughs) You know, like it's not, it's more like kids want to read this. And I think that that is the big takeaway in terms of there's no scandal here. The legacy, somebody asked him in an interview, I saw, what is he most proud of? And he said he's proud of the millions of kids who learned to read from his books. Right. If you want to look at it as a formula base, if you took these books in a formulas view, that's the way to look at it is, you know, well, how does it get my reader, my Mm -hmm. eight year old reader excited about the next page? Yeah. Excited about the next chapter. What's going to happen? That's maybe how you could hone in on a quote unquote formula, which I just detest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like oh, you, you could do your story clockwork book. You know, it's, it, it, there's no formula. So hey, if you want to start thinking about the secret behind about maybe why he could do it so fast, so quick, so many is well, he knows what the purpose really is <laughs> because this is the thing that's important. Uh, is the takeaway how many kids learned to read, got better at reading, uh, picked up another book because <clears throat> of. They were excited that reading motivation. That's an amazing way to view it. When you start looking at that way, maybe you maybe you get that little bit of an answer yeah. with the formula. They're like, well, how does it get my eight year old reader excited about that next chapter? Mm-hmm. And that's what, like you said, that's the that's the moral lesson that keeps him going. Is right. is that he cares right. so much about that? And it, the the specific piece of his legacy that I thought was most fascinating because he was saying up until Goosebumps, it was very hard to get boys to read anything that specific boys versus girls brilliant. reading. Uh, and, and so he, he was, we didn't even touch on that. This is brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely true. Absolutely. Because he was saying that was what was so surprising when he started writing them and got the 50-50 equal letters of boys and girls. And so when the interviewer asked him for his legacy, he said, I don't know. I guess on my tombstone, he got boys to read is what he wants to be known that's for. cool i like that yeah. that's that's super cool i didn't even think about that and that's absolutely true and i remember seeing that happen live <laughs> <laughs> in grade school and seeing the differences in what people would pick up and seeing people you know seeing boys pick up these types of things because they're geared towards them and, mm-hmm. and it's almost an accident yeah. but, and they sold so they kept making more <laughs> yeah 
I, I'm I'm growing a, a deep fondness for what he was able to accomplish, uh, and, and and being able to contextualize it in a way that I'd never really considered. Yeah. Before Harry um, Potter, no awards, no yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, he's loaded. He has so much money, but he lives a oh, simple yeah, life, you know. But it's like, what's he doing now? Continuing, seventy-seven years old this year, mm. and is still is still cranking out Goosebumps and and Fear Street. Oh my gosh! And also, this is the last little bit. Still typing with one finger. He never. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. His left, his left index finger is completely bent. It uh, oh my <laughs> he's it hurts so much, but he's he's he never learned. Oh. He's continuing all of this with one finger. I can't believe it. But yeah, uh, you know, go check out Fear Street. 1994 is out now. 1978 will be out by the time you're listening to this, and 1666 will be out the following week. They're hearkening on a lot of old horror tropes, which as a mm-hmm. horror guy, I really like. Um, but I, I don't want to send horror fans thinking that they're going to see something to the level of Scream. I would say this is Kissing Booth does R-rated <laughs> right. horror. And, you know, and, and I think that's the best way I can put it. It's for the kids that want to sneak in. Yeah. And how I viewed it as a kid is just that step above Goosebumps. It's slightly more mature, but it feels like I'm stepping into that Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th, 80s slasher realm. Yeah. But I'm really not because, I'm really not, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what it, and it felt like the, and it honestly, and I mean this in the best way possible, it felt like the, the, the film really hit that on the head that's good uh, if yeah. i was again if i was a eight nine ten year old putting this up you know because i'm sneaking up and doing it this would this would be everything you'd want it to be yeah well let us know if you were a goosebumps fan did you like fear street better or, or you know <laughs> yeah. i i honestly yeah. i it was it was intimidating so yeah what did you feel about it get a, get back to us at a literate pod on instagram thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next week yeah.